Well, hello, and welcome to the Age of Empires Definitive History Podcast, your go-to companion while playing through Age of Empires campaigns and looking into the history found within the games. I am your host, uh, Flash, also known as Robert. Uh, maybe I'll just go with my first name for this one. It just makes it a little easier, I think, overall. Um, so just kind of a rundown of the show. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take the definitive history, or sorry, the definitive editions of the podcast, um, sorry, of Age of Empires. So we got uh, the original Age of Empires has a definitive edition. Age of Empires 2 has a definitive edition. I don't even know if Age of Empires 3 has a definitive edition. Maybe I'll just play through the original game with that one. Um, and it'll, you know, maybe we'll time it out that when Age of Empires 4 comes out, we can keep the podcast going in Age of Empires 4. Uh, so the way the podcast works, there's two distinct uh, parts. There's the first part, uh, which you know takes a look over me going through the campaign. That's kind of like your campaign review part of the podcast. So um, that gives you, you know, your initial reactions. Essentially, I think it's kind of the way I'm kind of phrasing it is someone's either new to the game uh, or is playing through the campaigns for the first time. They can play through a campaign, then go back, listen to this podcast, uh, and hopefully, you know, regardless if it's from a year from now, two years, uh, they enjoy my review of it. Um, and that's that. Uh, the second part will actually be going through the history aspects uh, of the campaign. So what they have jotted down for the history and also just kind of looking, I think maybe what I'll do is maybe just frame it a little more, uh, like general ideas and big themes and kind of go from there as opposed to going through each and single uh, date within the game itself. Uh, So with that in mind, uh, like I said, this podcast, this specific episode is going over uh, the Age of Empires Definitive Edition uh, first campaign called Descent of Egypt. So I'm going to kind of run through how I felt going through all the uh, missions, including the tutorial missions, uh, mostly because I think it's important for anyone who's new to RTS gameplay. Uh, maybe I can help them out, or maybe uh, I'm actually just a buffoon and I don't know what I'm talking about at all with Age of Empires. Uh, now remember, this Definitive Editions does have some tweaks, and I felt them immediately. Um, so, like, uh, how hockeys work and uh units you can control and kind of stuff i i'm i that's something i need to probably look up at some point maybe that'll be at the end uh once we get through all the age of empires campaigns i'll look up kind of what are the differences between the definitive edition and the original game um but for now we're gonna kind of take a look at the um age of empires itself right the the campaign itself uh so let's get right into that um, so actually first things first, when the intro kind of came on, when I'm, when I'm turning on the game, they have a nice little slow pan to a horse, a chariot maybe, uh, and then a pharaoh, you know, kind of getting into the mood of the game. I really enjoy that. Um, also just, you know, having Age of Empires in like such good quality is just a revelation. The idea of like, oh, everything looks so nice. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I had played Age of Empires 2 before, um, and I've played a lot of StarCraft, but I, I have not played the first age of empires i think i briefly saw someone playing it like years and years ago there's like a distinct memory um and i don't know if they were like super zoomed out or something but like my, for some reason all i remember it i almost remember age of empires as like a tower defense like that's the kind of top-down view i don't know if if, if maybe i played the original game that would be the case um i feel like i'm going completely blind here but that's okay um Regardless, you know, with Age of Empires Definitive Edition, uh, everything looked pretty sleek going into it. So, <clears throat> Ascent of Egypt, the first thing I noticed, uh, they had nice voice instructions for every mission. This guy, this, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a British accent. Um, 
now I'm going to look back, you know, go, go into the next campaign and be like, no, this is just a, you know, stereotypical radio accent. Um, but, you know, they kind of introduce each mission. And I think the nice thing they do is they give you like a little bit of the history backstory. Um, but they don't try to overplay the historical aspect part of it. Um, I think that's a, definitely a difficult thing. It's something you have to contend with uh, <laughs> when you're doing a sh like, like uh, I was going to say a show, but uh, like when you're, we're kind of creating a game and, and the focus is kind of the history, the, like this this idea of you making your civilization and everything. Um, and so for people that who are interested in history, just kind of having tidbits here and there, uh, just the audio cues is very nice. Um, there's hints for users to help them get through the missions, uh, which I'll tell you right now, if you are playing through the campaign and you ever get stuck, you hit the escape key um, and you find that uh, scenario objectives and uh, they might have some nice hints if you get stuck to get through it. Um, uh, but essentially, uh, these hints are useful. You can kind of read through them before the mission. But I think, honestly, even if you have no real-time strategy experience, I think the game does a good job of kind of introducing you very slowly to each of the missions. Um, so uh, the first things first, you kind of spawn and you have, the, you have your first mission. Um which are it's a hunting mission wow I, imagine if i missed the first actual mission it was like build a villager i don't, I don't know if that was the case now, now <laughs> this is this is what me looking over my notes and hoping i haven't missed anything as i've played through the campaign all week um but yeah okay hunting mission that's that's the one we're going to start with regardless uh it's get to seven population um and i think it's really smartly how it's done because it doesn't really kind of spell it out for you i'm sure it's in the hints um but you you start you have a max population of five uh and so you'll start building villagers and you're like oh no i can't build any more villagers and then you, you find out essentially that you have to cut wood uh and build a house and by building a house you have more more possible villagers to build um and that gives you kind of the ability to then make more village uh, to, to make the remaining two villagers right you get to that five max limit build a house you get to 10 and then <clears throat> You're able to build those last two villagers, and that completes the mission. Boom. Nice and easy. Teaches you about villagers, house, uh, houses, and population cap. Nice and simple. Good introduction. I think one thing I would recommend if someone is, um, especially as the campaigns kind of get going, I'm sure this will be more and more helpful, uh, but learn the hockey. So the nice thing about the uh, Definitive Edition campaign is that the hockeys are on a grid layout, which means essentially wherever you see them, if it's a top left, it's a Q on your keyboard, and the Q W E R A S D F and Z X C V, those things kind of act as a. You can just use your eyes, kind of coordinate with them and get used to them. I think that's definitely a good tip to get used to hitting those instead of clicking on them. Um, obviously, if you're playing the campaigns, like you can definitely beat them as well without you know trying trying to be mechanically the greatest player ever. Um, but my StarCraft tendencies got the better of me, so I you know, obviously started learning and memorizing all the hockeys right away. Um, but it's simple for me to kind of, it, it's very nice that this definitive edition has all the modern real-time strategy elements of those hockeys. Um, and so uh, th that really helped me. So essentially the villager, I just click the Q button instead of physically clicking on it. It just saves time. Um, obviously probably, probably overkill for the uh, first hunting mission that <laughs> literally consists of getting to seven population. Uh, and I think that's going to be a common theme you find as, as I'm kind of talking. 
about all the <laughs> all the missions is I tend to go way overboard and take significantly more time than I have to because uh, I go into I want to get as much of possible uh, resources as possible uh, and then I'm just sitting around for the last little bit because I've made my whole army and just waiting to finish the objective <clears throat> anyway um, the point being use hockeys <laughs> here this is a good this is a good point where I put drink a little bit of my water as my throat is getting to me um, I will say doing podcasts on your own uh, I feel like it requires you know a definitely different mentality than kind of going to podcast with someone else with that in mind so we, we've we've that first hunting mission done um, another thing I would actually also recommend to, to, to people who haven't played RTS is understand what a control group is uh, so when you hit the control button and any of the numbers on your keyboard while, like while you're hitting the control button they become a control group and this control group if you click on it if you click on the number at any point in the game all of a sudden you've selected those units so <laughs> I think it's a good thing to get used to and I always put my uh, is it is town center I think that's the right word my town center on four uh, there's something I'm used to so I'll hit four and then maybe Q for to build a villager um, and then it just saves time but probably not so important uh this is probably more for people when people want to get more competitive um honestly if you just want to click like ignore everything i've just said in the last two minutes and just click away because I, I i'm it is beatable you know what i mean like i don't think any of these missions especially in playing on standard it will be too too utterly difficult all right let's get to the next mission in the series foraging so this kind of explains how um how you gather resources obviously the town center itself um, allows you to gather resources into it, right? Like any resource can be kind of gathered into the town center. Um, but except for that, it allows you to build a dock, uh, a granary and a storage, I think a storage pit, storage depot. Um, and, uh, the one thing that I find interesting is when I saw the dock and then I saw the other two, uh, things that I needed to like store. I'm like, do I have to, cause I obviously I'm not used to the age of empires, right? I'm used to the age of empires too. I'm like, do I have to like take the food from the dock and bring it to the town center or bring it to one of the storage depots or a granary? Um, not the case. Uh, the dock can uh, build fishing ships. So that's nice. Um, <laughs> uh, the one, the one thing I do kind of like about the fact that your, your depots are essential, like unlike age of empires, well, it, it's, it's good and bad. It's the good thing is gold, um, gold, stone, and wood all go to the same to the depots. That's that's what I'm, just, I'm just gonna call them the depots at this point. So all of them go to that, and you don't have to build different uh, buildings for each of them. But the bad thing is that they're so big that it's sometimes a bad like sometimes it's hard to find like a good place to put them. Essentially, meaning uh, for someone who's new, who's kind of getting into these games, like if you just want to play the campaigns and, you know, use, using this pockets to fall around, um, this is definitely the game to start with because Age of Empires 2 has a whole lot more built upon the foundation, which is this game. Um, and I'm sure, I think the Definitive Edition is very much helping me as someone who's played, you know, a bunch of StarCraft transition very easily. Um, in general, I think the fact that there's less stuff going on is very good. It just, it's very central rts real-time strategy uh focus so far um so yeah so far you've learned how to you know we've got we've gone to that how to build a dock how to start getting all the different resources you got your food your wood your stone and your gold uh, and then we lead to discoveries uh, which introduces the libyans and you have to practice moving units around 
Um, this was a funny one for me because you have to like run away from all the wild animals uh, uh, as you're trying to find these like historical spots, and it's essentially just like a engraving into the ground. There's like I don't know if it's like a tiger, or some kind of some kind of engraving that kind of looks like an animal in the ground, and you have to you don't all you have really is villagers like. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could have probably built up to some kind of warrior, but the idea is, like, you build your villagers and you just run around the map, avoid all the dangers. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing, because it makes you think, like, oh, no, I don't have to always fight. Like, I, I can achieve my objective without, you know, amassing a giant army <laughs> just, and taking over, which, you know, I tend to overdo too much when, like, something simple, like, oh, literally, our villagers are going to run around, run away from alligators and and lions and hopefully make it there. Um, I do like the alligators because it's, it's a nice kind of like nod to like, oh, everything's happening around the Nile. That's the one thing I guess I haven't quite talked about. The cool thing about the way the center of Egypt is structured is you're kind of going from like really early Egypt to like yeah closer and closer uh, to its like largest extent. So it's like the rise of a nation. So the campaign is is very much historically focused. You don't have this one central character. Um, unlike the Age of Empires 2 campaigns that I have played, I've only really played the first two Age of Empires 2 campaigns. That was always a party game for me. But um, it's kind of like a general history and just kind of the major, you know, military strategist for insert Pharaoh here. Um, so in in this case, you know, the, the Libyans, and this is probably what I'm going to talk about more in the second part, the kind of histories, the, all the different uh, nations that are kind of surrounding Egypt at this time as they're building up. But for the, specifically for this part, it's nice to introduce your first kind of, you know, uh, counter nation, uh, and you just have to run around in discoveries. Um, and then uh, the next, so that was our discoveries mich, uh, mission. Then you go to advancing to the next stage. So all these missions, right, hunting, foraging, discoveries, they're all kind of building up um your kind of knowledge of the game so if you've never played the game before these are the missions where honestly i would say take your time even if even if you get to that discoveries mission and all your villagers get eaten by wild animals um <laughs> take your time and understand how the game functions where the hockeys are how to move around how to left click right click um this is this is where you do it because it's very actually i actually found it very relaxing when i was going through these missions um i felt like because I was so comfortable with the genre of RTS, I could actually take my time. Uh, but for newer players especially, I think this is where you can really build yourself up. Uh, so yeah, the next thing is advancing to the next stage. And it kind of goes through technologies that you can upgrade. In, the, in every building, there's like different technologies. Either it's upgrading units or upgrading how fast you harvest resources. Uh, but also, there's this thing called advancing to the next age. Uh, which they call Neolithic period, or this is all happens during the Neolithic period. Uh, this is what happens when you write notes and you're, you're going off them. But no, advancing to the tool age, essentially an age where uh, now you have tools. That's the idea, right? The idea is you're kind of before tools and now you have tools. Um, and so, uh, so by advancing an age, you gain new technologies, and then those technologies can help your workers move faster, and then. By doing that, you get more stuff, and you can build bigger armies, and then you can advance their technology, and then you can move up in age. So that's kind of how Age of Empires is structured. It's a tech tree, and the idea is to upgrade your units. Um, so investing in technologies is nice, essentially, because especially as I learned later on, if you can get your work your workers moving faster, well, you just gets you know you get your resources piling in, you know your wood and your your uh, berries and whatever piling in, or your food piling in. Uh, next, you find this finally time skirmish happens 
I have a little note here that this is Lower Egypt, uh, 3,800 BCE. Um, BCE, for those who don't know, is before the Common Era. Um, uh, I think this was, you know, there's there's kind of been a push in history to change from the ADBC system, um, which is uh, AD stands for, uh, I believe it was Anos Dominum or like whatever. It, it means in the year of our Lord, so essentially taking Jesus Christ as a central figure. And historians were like, no, we don't really want to use like the religious, uh, the religious figure of Jesus to like mark the beginning and the end. Uh, sorry, the, the, you know, the before Jesus and after Jesus. Um, so they use this BCE distinction. Uh, so before the common era, uh, and then there's the common era. So it's BCE is before the common era, C is the common era. That being said, um, as, as some of my history profs have told me over the years, um, if you are going to introduce a before the common era and the common era, um, why would you still use this? you know, around Jesus's birth as your template, you know, uh, which I think is very interesting, uh, historically speaking, at least, because they changed it because the idea is like, we don't want to have this religion be the central point of it, but still we're going to demark the common era as starting from uh, this notable figure in this religion. So to me, it amuses me. Uh, nevertheless, I digress. Uh, th that might be something I could talk about uh, in the second section of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, this the sorry the skirmish is very nice because all you got is military units um and you just move your army around learn how to attack move which is uh very important instead of having to click on everything the idea of an attack move is your units will attack anything in sight um so it just it requires you to not have to always babysit your units um and unlike age of empires 2 which gets really complicated with like how you can arrange units and stuff the one thing I really like about this Age of Empires, it's like you're either standing ground or you're attacking. There's no in between. Uh, so that's kind of what skirmish, the mission skirmish is focusing on. Mission after that, as you're progressing through the campaign, you have farming. Now farming, uh, you know, I love these big gaps. I started writing it down the years. So this is like technically 700 years after the previous mission. Uh, um, and essentially you're using farming near the Nile River. Uh, and the goal is to take the ruins. Um, uh, so this this mission was really interesting to me because um, I, I just remember this this is the thing that really threw me off in this mission is all of a sudden one of the opposing nations just walked up and built a granary bes uh, beside my berries. So there's just a villager building this building within my base. And I'm like, I, I don't know if this is like something that should be happening. Like, I don't know if just the AI decided we want food, we're going to take the food. And then at some point I just have, because my military units were not fast enough to destroy the building. At some point we're just both using the same berries but we're technically on opposing nations uh which is bewildering and i just want to know if that was intentional or just a random ai going we need food and then <laughs> deciding to do that um but yeah if anyone else had anything like this let me know um you know i, I i'm sure you can find find email me maybe, maybe that'll be that's what i'll do i'll have the email <laughs> email somewhere around or whatever but uh that amused me if anything like that happened to you while going through this farming mission let me know um by the way all these uh this is probably a good time to mention all these missions that we've gone through 
so the hunting mission, foraging, discoveries, advancing next age, skirmish, now farming, uh, and, and the two uh, future missions, trade and religion, all of them are these tutorial missions because what it'll tell you in the first campaign is like any advanced players just skip right to the river outpost mission. Um, so this is kind of a good thing. We're still within, hey, these are the building blocks of this game and every mission is focused on this one part of the game so you can get used to it. So then you go to trade, uh, which was an interesting one to me. Um, uh, and essentially the idea is that you're, the, the goal of this mission is that they want to make pyramids or Pharaoh wants to make pyramids and you have to get some stone and gold. And to do that, you have to trade. Uh, so this kind of teaches you how trade works in the game. It's only done through ships as far as I know. Um, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, to me it was bewildering because in Age of Empires 2, the game I'm more familiar with from this franchise, um, you could, you know, build uh, trade carts and go from market to market. Uh, instead, the market almost feels like at this point in the game, and obviously I don't know if there's more text packs that they'll reveal to me in future campaigns, um, but at this point in the game, the market almost feels like, oh, this is how you upgrade your ability to mine and your villagers kind of working better. Um, so essentially in the trade, you have to get a whole bunch of trade ships and send them to different docks and get enough gold, which is the t tougher part. Uh, and so eventually you're just like, you have a whole bunch of like trading <laughs> outposts, um, getting, uh, sorry, all these, all these, uh, trading ships going from dock to dock and bring you gold back. And there's only a certain amount of gold in other docks. So you have to like choose new docks and yeah. It's, and until you get enough gold that that's required to pass the objective. Uh, so this is just a horde, uh, resources thing, but I guess it also introduces you the trade aspect of the game and this and how to get stone and gold. Although that honestly is not too complicated. Stone and gold, I think as well for any anyone new to the franchise is usually kind of, it's like until you pass the first uh, little part of the game, it's usually the last thing you're kind of focusing on. Um, wood and food is like very much the essential resource because it allows you to build stuff and allows you to make more villagers that can build stuff faster and bring resources in faster. So uh, that's good for that. Um, next one, religion. So once again, this is the last, um, of the, of the, uh, tutorial missions, kind of the last aspect of the game to learn. Um, I think the one big thing that I learned is, you know, unlike Age of Empires 2, that at times I think the tech tree is so vast, or there's so many different things going on, uh, here, at least, at least in this campaign, because maybe I'll be surprised, you know, maybe I'll get to the next campaign. It's like, no, there's a whole lot of other things that you don't know yet that you have to learn. But at least for this one, uh, religion here, it kind of shows you how the uh, priests work in this game. The priest units, essentially the idea is you got uh, these units that can heal other units within like within your army, uh, but they can also convert units from opposing armies to be part of your army. Um, and this one was a weird one because essentially you had to get this thing, a uh, stone thrower, which is essentially just a catapult. You have to convert it and bring it to your town center. That's the goal of the thing. Um, and I had no idea how to even get to it because the catapult was surrounded by a whole bunch of archers. Um, what ended up happening, though, is I went in with, like, three of these priests to try to, like, convert it. And they all died. Uh, but at, I think we had, like, two running away. And because of it, <laughs> I managed to get enough of their units to cross closer closer to my thing. To my, uh, to my, um 
to my base and because and then i was able to kind of convert these archers one by one uh and make them turn on their <laughs> turn on turn on their uh army mates i suppose uh and eventually convert this catapult uh and bring it back to the designated area which uh, the marked area was the town center, which I was a little confused by, but now I realize anytime they say marked area, they don't mean like a specific blue flag. They mean like flags in like a square. They like kind of create this like square or rectangle shape. Uh, so that's where you have to bring it. Uh, the one thing I'll say about this mission that stood out though, is that the stone throw, the, the catapult, as I was going back, it got stuck between two trees. So I had to grab a villager and cut down this tree just so I can bring uh, the, this thing to the base, which is a... Uh, pretty amusing in its own right um so that was all the tutorial um missions i think i just want to take a little moment here to think about how it is like if someone was a new player how it feel like going through these missions um i think the pacing and the difficulty is not that crazy um i think there's a lot to learn uh and i think the one thing that i'm always fearful of is like if someone's new and introduced to this, would it be overwhelming? And I think the first couple missions are very good of being like, okay, this is relaxed. This is, we're doing a couple things. It's almost like you're playing Sims, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit like, Ooh, we're just playing some Sims. Um, so in that aspect, I think it's very relaxing, but there was parts of the trade and religion mission that I'm like, if you've never played an RTS before, right? Like if someone's completely new, it might be quite difficult to get through this mission. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm like, well, here is the river outpost. This is the mission where things start heating up. Uh, and they do. This is the first time the, the river outpost is the first mission that you really have naval battles going on. Um, it teaches you about technology trees. So essentially, like, you got to build this technology, get this technology. Um, and I overbuilt like crazy for this mission, um, essentially because uh, <laughs> all you had to do like all you had to do is really build an outpost um but instead i built like a whole fleet and like managed to take out every tower with my fleet i i think i think at some point i realized like you know naval supremacy like literally just ruling the seas was important in all these egyptian all these ascent of egypt uh missions and i mean it makes sense because you're on the nile so i guess <laughs> i guess everything is within target target distance of these ships so uh uh you know who would have known um but yeah here's also i think i got stuck at one point uh kind of thinking oh oh like what do i do like i can't beat the mission because i believe you had to build some things in the middle of an island and uh <laughs> i <laughs> i uh f i realized oh wait i have a watchtower uh and i believe i needed a i don't know if it was like a see oh, there's a word for it S man now i'm blanking that's that's the worst you know i don't even have anyone to play off of when i'm blanking when you're solo solo doing podcasts uh sense sensor tower something like that it was like a tower that required me to do another upgrade somewhere and i found it uh and this is where i realized okay scenario objectives definitely something you have to look into when you get stuck in these missions uh because it's not going to spell out for you uh i'll tell you that right away um but yeah i uh i managed to beat that mission set up an outpost on an island in the nile which was the you know the essential part of that then we get to the naval battle and anything you know mission calling naval battle that's that, that excites me i'm like this is it you know this is where we got to do um 
I built an extra dock and built a whole fleet and it upgraded galleys and had the whole Libyan island surrounded because uh, the mission's goal is to get this artifact from them. Uh, and I was kind of hoping like, oh, it's on one of these like other islands. There's like, no, it was right in the enemy's base. Um, but yeah, I, I essentially set up a trade embargo completely around them. Uh, I think I had 10 ships and, uh, and they just sat around and didn't let them build. Like I destroyed their dock, by the way, really important. If there's naval battles, destroying their dock is really important. Um, and then eventually I brought a whole bunch of villagers and brought the, uh, the artifact back to me. Uh, you know, I, this is where I was feeling like, I'm like, I, I had, I, I know a stockpile of maybe 4,000, 5,000 wood um and i'm just like what are we doing here um uh because you know essentially i i overbuilt like i i did the oh i'm gonna make my economy really good in the beginning and it was like no like you actually don't need that many things um and on top of that i also this is the point where i noticed that there's a 50 population limit uh, so me having all that stuff saved up and having all these extra workers actually wasn't all that good kind of uh, you know, it went because the workers were taking the space of military units at that point, and I had way more resources than I knew what to do with. Um, so that was the naval battle. Uh, the next mission, Wonder of the World. Uh, this this was exactly down my alley of uh, I want to build an economy. Um, because all you, your goal was to build a pyramid. That was that was the goal, right? You got to build this wonder. Um, and so once <laughs> once again. I built like a couple galleys, uh, but because I don't really have to attack in this mission, uh, the, the mission is very much focused on like get the resources you need um, and then build this wonder and you win. Uh, so, uh, you know, I kind of liked it, uh, you know, less sometimes when you have to like fight, it's like, oh, no, let, let me find this one part in the map where they're hiding. And that's the one part that I need to take over uh, in order to win the game. Um Another thing that actually on this mission that I had a little bit of trouble with, and I don't know if anyone else did, took me a while to realize where the stone was. And then I think it was revealed to me on the mini-map. Although I don't know if that was the beginning of the game or it was later, but I really didn't look at the mini-map all too much. Or at least that one part in the mini-map. And it was like, oh, this is where the stone is. Uh, and you need that stone essentially to build the one, or you, I think you need a thousand stone. So at some point I, I took all my, vill like I took 10 villagers um, and I get to the island where the stone is, but then the stone is surrounded by wood. So I built, I built a, uh, a depot to essentially take, get, get rid of all the trees so that I could finally get to the stone. Uh, and then I could build my, um, wonder. I will say though, I, when I started building my wonder and I knew everything was secure, I actually took a step away from my de uh, desktop because, uh, uh, the wonder takes a long time to build, even if you have like 20 workers, villagers working on it. Uh, so I kind of took a step away, five minutes came back, and then finally was able to beat it. Uh, pretty crazy mission. Overall, though, uh, this is the mission where I was like, you know, this is this is kind of back to that back to that relaxed feel uh, of the those earlier hunting and foraging and discovery missions. All right, then we get the siege of Canaan. Um, which is an awesome setup because whoever made this design, I'm impressed. Like th this made me feel like, oh, like we're getting to that, that age of empires feel, uh, you know, where they had like wall after wall after wall. Uh, and it was kind of like choke. I think they had, they had three choke points essentially with a bunch of like towers between them. And you just have to get through these choke points. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, I, I liked it because they also introduced like the chariots and the, the horseback units. You could make them earlier, but here they kind of like set you up. It's like, oh, okay, like build this stuff. This is like some new cool stuff you can check out. So I, I had all these chariots that were the both archers and uh, just normal chariots. And I was taking down these towers very, very slowly. But what I realized after a while is like, wait, I'm on chariots. So I did that thing where eventually I amassed a big enough amount of chariots and we just ran past because those checkpoints choke, choke points don't have gates or anything they're just two towers beside each other right so i just ran past everything and then got to the main government center um and then <laughs> i was able to uh take it out and that was the mission right so uh yeah single file my chariots went and that's how i was able to beat that mission overall um i think if you have never played rts this is a great starting point like it has all the new, uh, this definitive edition from what I'm feeling, it has all the new, uh, you know, kind of quality of life um, changes and, and things that when you are playing real-time strategy games, it's very nice, especially for new players. Um, so I'll say that much. The second thing uh, overall for this campaign, um, it's, it's, I know it's an introductory campaign, um, and unlike what I felt with the, the, the future franchises that kind of have a more, oh, this is the one person you're following feel, uh, this is very much, oh, you are literally creating the whole empire of Egypt. Like that, <laughs> that is your goal. The, the, the enormity of Egypt, that's the empire you're creating. Um, so with that in mind, it's kind of like, it's, it's a little impersonal at times. Um, and I think the, the greatest, I guess, the greatest asset the game itself has is that it's kind of the feeling of like, oh, I'm controlling and creating this large civilization. That's kind of what's getting it through these missions without making it, um, you know, if it's just, if it's just, oh, create a large civilization and attack, if you do that in every single game, it can get quite tiring. Um, because at that point, like you might as well just be playing against friends or playing against, you know, playing on the ladder, being a competitive player, right? If that is your goal. But what I what I kind of ch- look for in RTS is like new and interesting ways uh, to kind of get someone like excited about the campaign. So I think this first one, I, I don't really have a plus negative. I very much enjoyed it. It kind of got me back into the Age of Empires feel of it. Um, but from a you know new player's perspective, I think you definitely enjoy it because you're you're new to the style of game. So I'm sure it'd be it'd just just kind of exploring and figuring out how to play it would be perfect. Um, I'm kind of hoping as we go into the next campaign, there'll be a little bit more, um, maybe specific missions or specific things that can kind of tie me or kind of stick me around within the campaign. Uh, maybe sp- like particular personalities, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, not looking ahead or anything, so we shall see. Uh, another thing that stood out right away is all the war- villagers kind of look the same, uh, but I do like the edits that when they're farming, they get these funny hats, and when they're hunting, they have spears and stuff. Like, those kind of things are small. I also felt it's it's kind of more zoomed in, and I don't know if that's just camera settings, but it is. it feels more up close and personal than Age of Empires 2. Um, it, might, it might actually just be a camera setting that I have, but uh, it was kind of nice, though, because when you're actually playing it's like yeah age of Empires 2 obviously you want to be further away so you can like see everything but when you're more zoomed in it's kind of a little more personal it's a little more oh let me like enjoy like how this tree looks especially in this like definitive edition you know high quality high definition version of the game so that that aspect i really liked it um the one thing that i was having a tough time with and i don't know if this 
I've yet to see the other um, civilizations within the game, so I'll, I'll probably get to experience this on the next podcast. Um, but the there wasn't a lot that made me feel, oh, I'm... Like, except for the setting of, like, oh, we're on the Nile River, it's like, oh, I don't really know if I feel like, oh, this is the Egyptian civilization, right? Like, the pyramid was awesome, because that was, like, something related to Egypt. I'm like, perfect, easy, distinct, historical thing to look at. Uh, but it's a little harder when it comes to... Um, oh, and chariots. I guess chariots are a good good sign. But the thing is, like, if all these nations use it, like, does that make it distinct, right? Um, I think... And I anyway, maybe we'll find out. Maybe there was a distinction. Maybe it wasn't something I wasn't paying enough attention to. Um, but I'm hoping the next campaign I have a distinct. I think it's a Greek campaign, so I'm hoping there's going to be a distinct look to everything. That's going to be slightly different. Because if it's all the same, I mean, then my feelings are on it that it's like, oh, okay, this is you know, this is literally Age of Empires. This is the first RTS of this kind of genre, and they kind of just stuck to the same kind of looking thing pretty much, and just had some slight variations on civilizations. Um, you know, as opposed to Age of Empires 2, where you'll get distinct, like, building, the way buildings look and the way they're, uh, designed and all that stuff. So, uh, overall, I definitely recommend it if you've never played RTS before, and if you've played Age of Empires 2, StarCraft, uh, StarCraft 2, Age of Empires 3, this Definitive Edition is definitely easy to go back to. Unlike some games where you go back and you're like, oh no, like, this is very difficult, I think they've made a lot of quality of life changes that for those kind of players, it's really good. With that, uh, we're going to end this, you know, uh, the uh, Ascent of Egypt campaign companion episode. Um, And I will be kind of compiling and creating within the next week the historical look at kind of this Ascent of Egypt, like how the Empire grew, uh, and kind of relating it a little bit to the game and a little bit just to history in general. Uh, So you get a greater sense of what maybe life would be like for them actually living this time and the kind of the nations that they're fighting that are featured within uh the campaign but not necessarily maybe like like you don't really get to know a lot about them unless you like read through all the historical texts but my my point is i'm going to try to expand on that and hopefully you enjoy that so with that i bid you all a good one and see you next time